What's up, coaches? June is finally here. That means the O-Line Hot Summit is this month. Uh, go make sure you've signed up for it on our website, runthepower.com. We've got over 18 amazing offensive line coaches, both high school and college coaches, uh, that have recorded a presentation, given it to us, and you guys can watch it live. Uh, the last week of June, we'll have two or three presentations uh, every day the last week of June. You guys will get to watch live for free. You can do that for free as long as you sign up on runthepower.com. If you want to watch, rewatch any of those videos or you want to um, have them forever, you can buy the all-access pass. It is at its cheapest right now, um, so go get it. If you're a premium member, uh, it is only $50 for you forever. So uh, if you're a premium member, you pay that $12 a month, so you can get all of our premium uh, videos and content. You can get the all-access pass for just $50. So uh, speaking of... Our premium content, Coach Walls just came out with bash and perimeter blocking on RTP install. A long handoff video is coming next week. And um, as lazy as I've been with, with O-Line uh, Film Room, a new one will be coming out now that we are done with spring ball here in the next several weeks. So uh, a lot of things for you guys to uh, go check out at our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletic programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Right now, Team Builder is offering a free 10-week spread offense tempo training program when you start a 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com. That's team, B-U-I-L-D-R, Dot com. Make sure you guys put in the code RTP. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product a few months ago, and we have to say that it is a game changer. Uh, we obviously especially love the playbook tool that allows us to create our favorite blocking schemes, which hopefully you guys know by now our power counter, inside zone, and pin and pull, uh, and formations so we can save time and be more productive. Just Play is a limited offer for RTP listeners only. You can get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is uh, $60 off the normal listing price. Offer ends June 1st, so you guys got to get it now. Uh, get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market. Uh, and again, you got to go to JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Uh, it's only... Valid till June 1st, so don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Coach Vass. Coach Vass is the DC at Clovis High School, Clovis, California. He also hosts his own podcast called Deep Dive on Defense. Listen as we talk with Coach Vass about his phenomenal coaching journey across the country, his defensive influences and philosophy, and his simple and excellent system for teaching and calling defenses. You can follow Coach Vass on Twitter at Coach Vass. Hope you guys enjoy. I actually I was went to Bishop Moore High School in Orlando. Uh, ended up getting into my dream school at the University of Miami. I was just a student, and um, my senior year, I really wanted to get involved with the football team. And I had a class called the sport industry in South Florida. And one of our stops, we stopped at a NASCAR track. We stopped at a basketball arena. 
did a bunch of stuff. And one of our, I think our last stop was at the University of Miami football complex. And I cornered the director of football ops. And I said, you know what? I, I have this crazy dream of coaching college football. And we set up an appointment to meet. And I came in, met with him. He's very polite, took notes. And he says, you know, I'll look around and see if we have anything. And I'll get back to you in a week. Well, a week came and went. And I called him every day for six weeks. <laughs> uh, called, showed up at his office because it was on campus. And by the end, it was a joke. It was like, all right, I'm going to go just, I just want him to tell me no in person on the phone, via email, some, something. And I think my dad was in town. And finally, like two months later, he's like, I, I got some for you. Just leave me the hell alone. And um, so I, got, I was on the video department and I was the only person in the video department that wanted to coach everybody else was interested in working in film, filming movies, being cameramen for the news stations. So my boss, Stu Kramer, said, well, you just watch practice and run the tapes and just run the tapes in and just soak it all in. So I did that, and it was towards the end of my senior year. I worked for the team, and then I parlayed that into a graduate assistant job at San Jose State in 2006. And I did that for a year, and then I just, uh, you know, my mentors, I was kind of frustrated by I wanted to get coaching. And so my mentors, my mentor, Keith Burns, who's at UTEP and another coach by the name of Dave Phipp, who at the time was a safeties coach at San Jose State, is now the special teams coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, basically said, you need to coach. I went and surprised my girlfriend in Miami the next day uh, on Valentine's Day, and Coach Phipp just happened to be answering the phones joking around at the front desk and somebody called Los Altos High School called and said hey we need a football coach do you know anybody and they said yeah actually I got just the guy <laughs> and so that's how my high school football coaching started in 2007. So I, I coached the first year at Los Altos I ended up going to Gilroy High School in 2008 which is the garlic capital of the world I was there for two <laughs> years and was co coaching semi-pro ball they actually have a garlic fest it's amazing especially I don't know when that I've ever had garlic I mean, I'm sure I've had it on some things, like steak maybe, but I don't know that I've ever – I couldn't even tell you what garlic tastes like. I had garlic ice cream. It's actually – it sounds really bad, but it's actually really good. It's got a weird sweet aftertaste. Huh. Yeah. Uh, hard to find. Not, not working Gilroy, but hard to find elsewhere. So I, did that. I did that for a couple of years, and uh, I was coaching semi-pro football in the offseason, and it was, it was probably the most challenging and best thing I ever did because it, it really taught me to communicate with individuals because I was coaching guys that were 30. I, my oldest guy, he was 38 or 39 and I'm 23 at the time. Wow. And I had to convince them that I was the greatest coach they'd ever had. And they've been playing longer than I've been alive. <laughs> They're looking at me going, who the hell are you? And so I did that for two years. I coached the, there was a team called the barnstormers. And we coached there for three years and then um, in, in between in the off season. So the season started in January, February, and it ended in July, right when high school would start. So it was, I was basically coaching year round for three years. Oh, that's perfect. So Love it. Yeah. I, I coached, I burned out though pretty quickly. And that was kind of the downside of it was, you know, by the third year in a row of coaching 11, really 11 months out of the year. No, it was, it was almost one year. I played our last regular season of the game for high school on Friday night. And then Saturday we had our first practice for the barnstormers. <laughs> Zero so days it was, off. It was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. 
And so I coached at a junior college in Hart, at Hartnell, which is in Salinas. Um, I'd always wanted to learn the TCU defense. And so I befriended a GA there at the time named Brandon Lechtenberg. He ended up getting a defensive coordinator job at Millsaps College in Jackson, Mississippi. He offered me a job. So I, I packed up my car, drove out there, and I learned a lot of football. I learned more football in that time period than I had in like the previous five years. But it just wasn't for me. It wasn't – I didn't like the lifestyle. I just – I it just wasn't for me. It's the best I can say. And so I ended up driving home to Orlando. I went to stay with my mom for a couple of months, and I thought, you know, what am I going to do now? And I ended up – I would joke around with a buddy of mine, even when I was in college, saying, hey, if you ever have an opening, let me know. Because Saint, the St. Saint Francis School in Mountain View is about five minutes from Google. Uh, they had amazing facilities, and I was just to give them a hard time. Like, yo, when are you going to hire me? When are you going to hire me? It's like, you're coaching Division three football. What are you talking about? And I, it was kind of a running joke. But then he actually was like, hey, I have an opening, and you're not working right now, so let's do this. So I, I interviewed via Skype. <laughs> uh, I think I was wearing a shirt and tie with, like, sweatpants. Um, got the job. <laughs> yeah, got the job. Drove back out here. I've driven across the country three times at this point. Jeez. And coached a year at, at St. Francis, and the head coach left. I got a job at uh, – the job came open. I applied for it, and me and my best friend, we didn't get it. So we went to Sarah High School in San Mateo, California, where I was for the five years. Uh, it's the home of Tom Brady, Barry Bonds, John Robinson, so probably one of the greatest baseball players ever and one of the greatest football players ever Jeez. at the same high school. Crazy. Uh, and Lynn Swan. When Lynn Swan's the third most famous athlete at a school, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's saying a uh, lot about the athletes that come out of there. Yeah, yeah. And so David Bakhtiari, who's the le- you guys are O-line guys, David Bakhtiari, is probably the best left tackle in football right now. Yeah. Uh, he went to Sarah. Great guy. Um, Denver Johnson yeah. coached him at Colorado, Harp. Yeah, that's right. You, just what you said. Sarah yeah. High School, baby. Sarah High School, the Padres. So I was there for five years. We had an incredible run. Um, we hung more banners in those five years, I think, than the, the rest of the existence of the school combined. I might be a little off on that, but I think we hung like 10 banners in five years. It was ridiculous. It was a great run. My best friend got the job at John Bosco High School in L.A., Bellflower. They'd probably get mad at me for saying L.A. And uh, I, I decided it was time for a change. I love Sarah. I love the area. I mean, it's 75 and sunny every day in San Mateo, 10 months out of the year. But I was an independent contractor, and I worked for, I worked for the head coach at Sarah, and he was an amazing he, – he is an amazing man and taught me a lot. But, you know, I wanted to get into a, uh, more of a routine. Um, I wanted to go buy a house one day, and unless you're a millionaire, billionaire, you're not buying anything in the Bay Area. <laughs> That's what so, I've heard. Oh, there's Google. I keep bringing up. This is the third time I think I've mentioned Google. Uh, you get these Google and Apple guys that make 200 grand a year, and they're living in RVs. Jeez. And not that there's anything wrong with living in an RV, but no, when you but... don't want to live in an RV, and you're working at Apple, and you're making 200 grand, and you have to live in an RV because you can't afford an apartment when you're making $200,000 a year. That's oh, that's a right. Here in Oklahoma, you'd have a mansion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Barry Switzer would be water in your yard for you with that that's price. exactly with that you made that a year you'd be you'd have a mansion oh yeah so 
I just, I, it was time for something a little bit more stable and, you know, something with a retirement and all the adult stuff, good, you know, good health insurance, <laughs> uh, and all that. And I, and it was a, basically, I did it for the adult moves. And, and, and really the main point was the coach that I worked with at Gilroy in 2008, we had a really good year together was here. And we talked about reuniting one day and he said, Hey, do you have any interest in coming back or get, getting back together with me? I said, heck yeah. And so I moved here in June and it was, it was crazy. I mean, I, I, I went from living by myself. He, he let me live with him during the season. So I went from living by myself, working it from home for the previous four years to living with six other people, <laughs> uh, four of which under the age of 10, uh, I yeah, have to sit at a desk and, and wear khakis every day and so, which every, you know, everybody does, most people do. But you know, when you, when you work from home for four years, and you get up and you roll out and you make, you know, I had to work, but I kind of made my own schedule and they didn't care as long as my, my work was getting done and I was accessible. Right. You know, from really having unlimited freedom to all of a sudden now you got to be 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. and these kids are coming in and, you know, you got to do this and you need to have these posters up in your room. It was with all that combined, <laughs> you know, it was 75 degrees. I moved to a town where it's 110. I mean, it's just, it was just so much change at once. So, it was a little bit of a personally challenging year. I mean, I got hired late, so I didn't meet. I, I met the coaches six days before spring football started. That's wow. tough. It was a little bit of, yeah, it was a little bit of change. And we just won a state championship in 2017. And so, you know, we, we had some success. And, you know, and, and then I'm, I, I uprooted my entire life. And, and, you know, it was on my own, my own decision. And I don't regret it one bit. It was just, it was a lot of change. And so this year was, it was a little difficult. But, you know, I'm settled in. Everything's ready to roll for, for 2019, and hopefully we'll get after it. I was going to say, it's got to be a much easier year of 2019. That's a lot of change. And uh, I know just even going from gradually uh, adding two kids to my life, I couldn't imagine adding four under 10 uh, over, you know, the span of a week. That would be a, uh, yeah. be a big change. It was a big change. And the family was great. And I And I don't. I don't want to give off the vibe that I'm that like anything was bad. It was all great. Great. No, not at all. Yeah. Great people in the Bay area. It was just for me personally, you know, you move around the country by yourself, literally drove across the country three times and kind of did your own thing. And now you've got to be in a place, but I like the stability. I like, you know, the 1099 life, the, the independent contractor life is exciting. Uh, you know, I helped build a company, uh, Next Level Sports in the Bay Area. They had when I came on board, they had 700 kids at one location. I think if we and I say we because I still do some side stuff for them. I think they're over 10,000 kids now. They've got 35 or 40 different programs all over the state. They've got De La Salle High School, Bishop Gorman. I mean, huge. They, they're running. They ran a program at Cal, like the the Super Bowl, quote unquote, the Step Up Bowl or uh, whatever we called it. Was it Cal Memorial Stadium? Wow. I mean, imagine being six years old and playing on Cal's field. It was amazing. And so I, I was very proud of helping build that company. And, um, but it was just, it was just time for different. It was, it was a nice, neat wrap and bow on it. It was five years. We went from perennial second place team to, you know, three section titles in five years and two regionals and a state championship. And it was just a nice, neat bow, five years, ready to go, time for something else. 
Coach, man, you've had a lot of cool experiences. I, I love that. You know, I've, I've had the chance to kind of bounce around myself and, and move and, and meet different people. You know, what do you think you've kind of taken from a lot of those experiences, you know, and maybe plugged it into kind of your coaching philosophy? So I would imagine, you know, hey, you're, you're pretty flexible. You know, you're, you're pretty multiple. You're, you're going you're gonna to study a lot of different things. How is that kind of lifestyle and your background maybe parlayed itself into your defensive philosophy and the way that you coach football? That's a really good question. So when I started out learning, because I didn't play in college and didn't really have much of a background, I loved football and I loved working with young young people. I worked at a camp in Orlando called San Pedro, and it was a, a kind of a scripture camp kind of a thing. And I always connected with the high school boys, and most of the time, people didn't you know high, the high you know how high school boys are. You've dedicated your life to coaching them. But I always really connected with them. And I, and I just was like, well, why don't I combine my love of working with young people with the sport I love? And I didn't tell anybody for about six months that I wanted to do this. I told my friend Anthony Brandon, who played at Notre Dame, and I kind of confided in him. And I have this, this crazy idea when to coach football. <laughs> and I was expecting him to talk me out of it because I was thinking about going to law school and some other things. And uh, he said, go for it, man. You'd be great. I said, well, I didn't really play. Like, what are you talking about? And he says, that's why he'd be great at it. And I didn't understand what that meant at the time. But I think that mixed with bouncing around, and I didn't really have a strong foundation, so to speak. So I wasn't stuck in anything. And so my mind was open, and I was able to see the game from a 10,000-foot view. Now, at first, it was hard when I started learning. But I, I've met a lot of guys, so I say, you know, why do you do this? And they said, well, that's, that's what I learned when I was younger. And it, it was nice to kind of have that freedom. I, uh, when I first started, I tried to learn everything. I learned, tried to learn a little bit of everything. And my mentor, who I mentioned, Keith Burns, sat me down one day and was like, you got to learn one thing. You, you know, you want to do Tampa. You know, this is mid-2000s, so Tampa 2 was the rage and the 30 stack was just kind of coming out mm-hmm. and all these different things. You, you got to pick one thing. You got to stick to it, learn it inside out. Otherwise, you're just going to have a little bit. You need to develop a system. And I said, that's a really great point. Sounds good. Teach me yours. And so he taught me. Um, he wasn't currently running it at San Jose State. He was the corners coach and safeties coach. But he had run the G, what effectively is known as the G defense. In fact, he worked for Don Lindsay, who was at Arkansas in the, eight, in the late 70s. And according to him, invented robber coverage, as you know it, the whole two inverted halves. Um, just really to stop the NCAA route was why he, he claims he was there when they invented it. And so uh, I learned that style of defense, uh, you know, known as the G defense, the Washington, Virginia tech system. And I ran that my first couple of years, you know, we were playing Robert at two back quarters to one back. And um, uh, we were stemming and moving to the bear. So this is about 12 years ago and you could still kind of do that in the Bay area is a great place to live, but in terms of football schemes, and I, I, to all my friends who are going to probably listen to this, please don't take any offense. You all know I'm right. But it's a little stuck. I mean, some of the big, some of the big teams we saw, the, the four teams we had to beat every year, wing T, full flow, like power, no buck, just, you know, power belly, I formation, literally like 1972 USC, double wing, foot to foot, and then wing T option. Mm-hmm. The only time we saw spread was in practice because we were a no-huddle spread team. And so that defense was great to us. And then I kept, as along the way, 
you know, going back to when I was at Gilroy, I kept running into things. And I said, I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do this. And I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm still taking my mentor's advice. I'm going to do one thing. And I, it was either choose the Virginia Tech road or the TCU road. And I met Brandon Lechtenberg, who I mentioned and still comes out and clinics me every year, sometimes twice a year. Um, he had just gotten a job at Millsaps. I cornered him at the AFCA when he was at TCU. And I was like, please teach me whatever you know. I beg you. And uh, he did. And then he offered me the job. And I took the job at Millsaps to coach for him, but really to get the graduate school in TCU. And he ran the defense, I'd say, about 95% of the way that they did it. We used wristbands, the signals, the same call, everything. Hmm. And it was cool because, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but Gary Patterson's really tight-lipped, and they don't, they don't let you talk about anything. So I got a front-row seat, and this is 2011. They just won the Rose Bowl the year before. So this is at the height of the TCU fever. I'm getting to work for a guy who was there for three years. He spent one year with the front, one year with the linebackers, and one year with the DBs. Wow. And it was the greatest education I learned. I learned the whole system, inside and out, front and back. I saw teaching tapes, you know, handwritten notes. I mean, just I've had I had access to things that at that time people were dying for. And um, I kept I kept taking my mentor's advice. And for the the next six years, I we did TCU. And if TCU didn't do it, you know, that was it. We weren't going to do it. And it was kind of like, you know, you hear teachers say, especially like English. Like I remember I used to write bad punctuation in English class and and I'd get a 50 on it and I'm like what the heck and the teacher would say well you know you, you didn't do this right and I said well you know we read Emily Dickinson she didn't use punctuation it's like well she knew the rules <laughs> you got to learn the rules to know which ones to break <laughs> and so I spent all this time learning the rules and then when I felt comfortable about 12 months ago I said you know what I'm going to start branching out and I said if I'm going to branch out I'm going to go for the best and so my I friends with Tosh LaPoy who was the defensive coordinator at Alabama last year I had a relationship with Glenn Schumann who's the co-DC at Georgia and then I got Jeremy Pruitt's phone number decided to cold text him uh, kids at home don't do that uh, but ended up going to Alabama last year Georgia and Tennessee twice and decided now I'm going to branch out again so it's funny like I went from from this whole you know, like I said, 10,000 foot view, learn a little bit of everything. And then I got, I got focused on one thing. And then when I felt like I got to the end, like I'd become a true expert at it. I decided, you know what, now I'm looking at Iowa state. Uh, I'm looking at coach Aranda, one of my buddies from Millsaps with LSU. And now I've got like too much information. Like, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. It's really this. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. This has been probably the most fun off season I've ever had because any, everything is open. Because I, 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 like I said, I follow my mentor's advice. I cut myself off. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stick to one thing. But now the floodgates are back open. And I'm, I'm reading and trying to learn everything I can. It's kind of dizzying, but it, it's made for a fun offseason. With some of the offenses you guys see, and, and you've talked about, you know, um, how heavy personnel, you know, some of these California or some of these big California teams that you guys have to beat are um, – how much does a, a TCU defense help you guys out with that or an Iowa State defense? If you guys are going against, you know, I formation or double wing or, uh, you know, even wing T and, and Iowa State sees, you know, maybe nobody the entire year getting the eye, uh, is that a – you have to – you know, I know not just Iowa State, but TCU the same thing. Uh, unless it's a out of conference, that you know, they're not seeing that either. Is that 
you're just t- are you trying to just take the basis of that and then you've got to mold that for those teams or or when you see a wing T team do you guys go the route of of having uh, a, a fairly different defense for some of those teams well so one of the details that I kind of kind of got lost in the story was it, it, the the Bay Area uh, the San Francisco Bay Area has the wing T's in the eyes and all that stuff now that I've moved to Fresno, we saw a single wing team, but everybody else, we saw a, 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 a flex bone team, double slot team, but we mostly saw spread. Now, to answer okay. your question, going back to when I was at Sarah, to me, the TCU defense is not a four-man front. It's not playing, you know, two or Sky or Bronco or all those buzzwords you hear. What makes the TCU defense the TCU defense is the language system the communication system, Mm. how the front and the back end are divorced from each other and how there's a reach side and a wayside. And, you know, we ran when we played the eye and when we played the wing team, we ran four, four robber coverage, or we developed a coverage called blue pitch, which if you can, and this isn't really helpful in, in, in podcast land, but if you can close your eyes and imagine this, take an under front Sam linebacker and attach him to a four, three, and then take your safety and put them outside so we could get – we played Dale Sal, the infamous Dale Sal, who ran split back veer, counter tray, mm-hmm. and we needed a guy – we needed our Sam to go tackle that dive back. And so we would just personnel it. Some years that that we call him a bandit, that strong safety that was walked up on the line, sometimes he'd be a safety, sometimes he'd be a DN. Like uh, my last year at Sarah, we took our weak side DN, we made him the strong safety. And if we were same playing big teams, then we'd bring in another lineman to be the weak side end, especially if it was 22 or 23 personnel. Hmm. But really, it never affected us. And I heard that. I mean, when I was at St. Francis in 2012, they have a very proud tradition. I was told this defense was going to work. We were <laughs> five and 5-5 five football team, and we had the number one defense in the league um, in terms of scoring and every major statistical category, pretty much. Hmm. And we had – the best or the number two defense in the section all six years I was there in terms of points allowed. One year, we kind of got a little off track. We had some injuries and some suspensions and some things. But other than that, we were really good. And to me, we played your traditional eye-back defenses that you saw in the 80s and 90s. But we had the ability where if a team did go spread – we had the communication system built in where we could adapt to that very easily. And a couple of years at Sarah, I actually had a kid in 2016 who could play a strong safety Sam linebacker on the line of scrimmage, like cocked in at a 45. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those under front guys. Right. Yep. And then he could go run with two vertical on our, on our special coverage. Huh. So we didn't really even have to personnel it out. It was crazy. Um, yeah. And so it was great. And, and I think people would see four, two, five, but really, it's a four. four. I mean, what's the difference between a four four and a four two five structurally? Nothing. It's what you want to call those guys. And I didn't call. I didn't embrace the four two five moniker probably until twenty fifteen. I would tell people we're still four four defense. Coach, I, I got to ask you, man. You're saying you know the the floodgates are open and uh, you're learning all these new things, and it, and it really kind of comes down to, you know, I can learn all these new things as a coach. Um, so, so my capacity is not going to kind of where it ends, but again, now the limiting factor is going to be, how can I teach it? And I, and I know you're coming up with, with innovative and cool ways for you to be able to do many, many different things because you're able to kind of toss it into, you know, 
know, learning buckets or whether, you know, like TCU where they divide the field and, and you only have to teach guys mm-hmm. certain, certain uh, techniques. How are you kind of going about, you know, really streamlining that process to maybe, you know, now take those floodgates and put it into controllable channels of water so your guys aren't drinking from the fire hose when it comes down to it? Yeah. Well, so in 2019, what I'm about to say is very unpopular, which I'm fine with because <laughs> 10 years Good. ago, the defense that I ran was never work. It was too, it's too <laughs> light, whatever. I don't really care. But um, honestly, it's the communication system. We teach in general, we teach a quarters coverage, whether it's quarters or two read where the corner's coming off on two. If he goes to the flat, we teach a man to man principle. Um, I mean, I think anybody and some of my middle of the field defensive friends might scoff at me, but I think you can teach pretty much anybody to play middle of the field safety. Um, so, you know, we, we teach that aspect and play man, and then we just play straight man. And then we play a two deep zone match defense. So we're playing, imagine two man, but if guys pass each other off on the same side, you can switch guys. Hmm. And so it's like, it's, all, it's really a man match. So man match cover two. Um, like uh, kind of similar to Nick Saban's Buster coverage, if you guys know what that is. And then once we do that, those are the hard concepts. We teach them how to set the fronts. The language is, and this is what I was saying, the part about being unpopular in 2019, the words help us. Now we have ways to code word things if a team's going fast, but I've actually seen teams starting to slow down a little bit. Tempo, and this is just me, like I'm not saying that they're huddling and whatnot, but I remember when Baylor ruled the roost in 2014, you know, teams was like, we got to go fast. We got to go fast. We got to go fast. And I noticed that guys took their foot off the gas just a little bit. Now, I don't know if that's slowed. Ever- it's definitely slowed down. Okay. Cause when Chip Kelly was, when, when Baylor and Chip Kelly were rolling at the same time or about the same time, and Houston, everything was tempo, 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 tempo. Don't forget Houston. Oh yeah. Can't never forget. <laughs> Um, you know, but I see things that slow down a little bit. So we have ways to code word things and if we need to get into tempo checks, but you know, we, we studied the Iowa state stuff through the lens of TCU. I watched their film. Um, and I was able to convert us to Iowa state with two words and I taught it to the kids in about a minute. So we installed the Iowa state defense in a minute. And everybody goes, no, you didn't. You're full, you're full of crap. Like I said. <laughs> so what we did was we put our – and I'll, I'll tell you, and I know it's hard to do on a podcast. I'll do my best to kind of describe this. So, coaches, if you want to learn how to do it, take out your pen and papers. So I got the pause button. So basically what we did was we got in a 3-2 dime package, and we, we gave our, our, uh, our defense one word. And that word told the dime, the weak side overhang, that you're going to go stand in the middle of the field over the ball. Okay. That same word told the linebackers that even though we were in a three-down defense, they were going to go play their four-down rules. So the mm-hmm. mic would stay in the box. The will would get out of the box. Okay? So there's the 3-1 look. We had a word to tell the front how to line up in the four eyes or the, the threes. We already did that. We didn't, know, we didn't need to add anything there. So, and then what we did was we had a call – we had it was called X call and the X call in our base defense was if we wanted to leave the the read side or the strong side of the passing strength linebacker 
on the vertical of three alone, we could do that. Now, obviously, in a four-down world, that's not something you want to do a lot. But we played a team about six or seven years ago that when they got into trips, they never sent three vertical ever. <laughs> and so what we did wow. is we pulled on passing downs. Hey, listen, we're going to man up because there's no run-pass conflict because it's third and seven. We're going to make a call that tells the read side linebacker, hey, if three does go vertical, you can run with them. You can even back up a step if you want. Um, and you've got three vertical. And what that allowed us to do is we could play quarters to the trips without having to steal the backside safety to poach number three. Mm-hmm. Now we can play quarters over one and two because they ran a lot of flood concepts. But quarters is great versus flood, I think. Some people might disagree. And then we could still double the backside in case they decided to run their drawback passing game because we didn't need that backside safety to cover number three. Now, why I'm telling you this is because we made an X call in dime and all the X call said was, okay, for the the call that it meant in the four down world where the backer had number three vertical. Now it's telling us that the guy standing in the middle of the field, that third safety has three vertical. Well, if it's two by two, three's in the backfield, I'm staring at the back and I can help out wherever I want. If it's three by one, I line up over the ball and I play three vertical just like I would in a quarters concept. And that's it. We just went to Iowa State. And <laughs> I told our coaches, I said, watch this. And they're like, yeah, you're full of it. And they were stunned because, you know, I was a new staff. They were stunned. That one word to tell them where to line up and the one word to tell them to take three vertical, we could play. And we could play whatever we caught. So basically what we did is we conceptualized and trips, how do we defend, how do we want to defend one and two? What routes do they run with the number one and number two receiver? Do we want to play halves? Do we want to play quarters? Do we want to play palms? Okay, and then we, we would play kind of a, a solo concept on number three where the short backer would wall them inside, the deep middle safety. If you watch Iowa State film, it's usually number 12. He's got number three. And then we could tag the backside of trips and we could double the X. We could have that safety come down and play in the sky alignment and get down to four by four. We could have him play over the top like two man. We could have him go like swipe underneath and look at the corner, play over whatever we wanted to do. But that's how we game plan trips. So instead of saying, how do we want to game plan the three receiver and how do we want to game plan the one receiver? We had three things to look at now and we could get really specific. And the other thing that I found in my journey off because last year I kind of started dabbling in diff- looking at different things is I had an epiphany. I was watching a Georgia presentation, and I had an epiphany. And I thought, you know what? How much time when we play running quarterbacks do we spend trying to keep them in the pocket? We spend a ton of time. And all we're really doing is, hey, let's spend 30 minutes a day on how to keep the quarterback in the pocket and let him have a clean throw. Well, that doesn't make any sense. So I said, what if we – um, and I, I also owe this to some of the Alabama guys. What if we got in a three down and twisted and forced the quarterback outside? When we were in four down, we were trying to come up the field and cage him, and we were either doing one of two things. He was either running past us after we got up the field, or we were keeping him and giving a nice, beautiful, clean pocket. I said, what if we get in a three down and we just pinch everybody inside and we forced him, the quarterback, out to where we want him to go and have the linebackers waiting for us. If he's going to break the pocket anyway, mm-hmm. why not just do it? So what we started doing was we had a drop eight coverage, but we were just basically giving up the edge. So it was like a blitz, like he had to get off his launch point. And we basically played peekaboo. We said, go ahead. You, we tricked the quarterbacks into thinking, I have the edge. I'm going to escape that way. And then a quarterback would show up. Or I'm sorry, a linebacker would show up. 
And so we got the best of both worlds. And so I'm like, why don't we just do this? And that was our third. We ran a lot of that stuff on third down, and uh, it was very, very good to us. But that's just the power of language. And, and the one thing that the, the TCU system taught me was it taught me how to unlock my brain. To say, how do we defend this side and this side with these guys and these guys? And it just kind of freed my mind up to think in pieces instead of thinking, okay, I have a list of defensive calls that we have in. Hmm. I'm going to pick from one of them to see what's the best that we, can, we have available to us to defend what we're going to see. Now I can say, what do we want to do? Because we have a word for a lot of things. So we start from scratch every week, and then we build our game plan, and we use the language system to build that game plan. And very few times during a year do we have to introduce a new word. Coach, I couldn't agree with you any more uh, about language. And I think me and me and Walls have, have talked about that a bunch, about how, uh, how important we think that is uh, on the offensive side. So I can only assume it's just important on the defensive side uh, because, uh, you know, like you said, you can go study um, on offensively, at, you know, offensively, old Georgia Tech, um, you know, film, and then uh, you really like it, you can go, you know, watch – air raid and and watch it and and it's not hard to know how to to uh install both those the hard part to me anyways is how do i get my kids to know all of these different things you know maybe those are a little too polar opposite but how do i merge all these different uh schemes and different run schemes and pass schemes and and uh concepts all together to where my kids can grasp it and how do i make it as easy as possible for them and and for us it always came down to um, you know, the common language that we had and uh, little tags off of plays. That way it kept it really easy for those guys. They might not have even really uh, kind of understood the difference in counter and power for us, uh, but we would tag power with G and it became counter. They didn't need to know the difference necessarily other than now the guard's kicking and the H is swabbing. And, and so um, I can only assume, like if you've said, if you can, like you've created that for your defense, now you can do a bunch of different things they don't need to know that this defense with these two tags, you know, is the same as Iowa State. You know that's that, but they just know those tags. That's where they line up, and that's how they run it. And and now you've given an offense something completely different. I mean, I, yeah, and and I think with defense, it's you know, it's obviously easier to do that stuff. And at the end of the day, I'd rather, and I know this again, people might be listening going. I'm going to turn this off because this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, but I'd rather be 70% efficient at 10 things than hundred percent efficient at one or two things. Because at the end of the day, you get somebody who knows what they're doing. They can use your rules against you. And sure. I've always tried to turn the game into a game of rock, paper, scissors. You don't know what I'm going to do. And at the end of the day, if you strip everything away, it's quarter. I mean, you can look at quarters and palms. It's the one principle because it's basically a little different if two goes out, but it's the same thing if they both go vertical. So you have a quarters, palms kind of concept. You have a 2D man matching uh, principle, and you have man. And you teach your guy how to play in the middle of the field. And then you, there's little variations there. So we have a coverage TCU calls Bronco where the safety has uh, two vertical and out. Okay, well, that's one rule. Okay, he knows how to play a vertical in quarters coverage. He knows how to play him out and I, I left one out, which is the inverted halves robber coverage. Well, now in this coverage, he's doing both. I've got him vertical and I got him out. And so you just piece everything together and nobody, 
I mean, one of the downsides of the defense is nobody knows what the other one's doing, which to me is fine. Like, it does get a little hairy when you cross-train guys. But, I mean, I'd rather have multiple flexibility and have an insane – I mean, we have – I haven't done a study in this in a while, but one year we had like 115 different coverage calls, unique coverage calls. And it might be like we're playing press quarters – it might be we're playing catch quarters, we're playing bail quarters, we're playing quarters where we're off at 10 yards. So, I mean, it's not fair to say it's four different coverages, but, you know, when you got a 16-year-old kid who's standing out there and he's trying to decipher all this stuff, That's you, know, right. you probably confuse him, you know? And so, I, I mean, now you got to fool the coordinator more because they'll just, you know, freeze you and then look to the sideline. But, you know, I, I've always been like that is if you don't know what I'm going to do, I have an advantage. If you're reacting to me, I have an advantage. And it hasn't always worked out, but it's worked out quite a bit. And it's – I don't know how to coach defense any other way. I, I don't know if I could. Coach, when you're talking all this multiplicity and, and looks, and I, and I love it, um, how does that kind of then play into your pressure package? Are you a huge pressure guy? Uh, per se, or would you say, you know what, I, I feel like I can I can beat a lot of people just with, you know, our, our base system and the ways that we play, like you'd said, our, our 10 different things, or you're like, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna dial some of these things up. So talk a little bit about maybe your philosophy with pressure. Do you like to run blitz? Do you like to, you know, blitz on rundowns? How, how do you kind of go about game planning that as well? So I bring pressure sometimes too much. In fact, <laughs> um, the year in 2017, we, um, we know we we won the state championship. We held the number one offense in the country to 14 points. One of them was on a hail mary. We had, I think, we gave up eight points a game in the league. I mean, it was a freakish defense. It was crazy. Wow. And we played a game at the beginning of the year, and we were the first game of the year. And we we I would say we didn't have a shot. We were playing in a in a town where it was 109 degrees. And I, you know, like I said, you know, San Mateo is 75 and sunny <laughs> and we were done in the first quarter. It did, there's no amount of conditioning. I mean, you can't simulate that. The air in our bus broke down 15 minutes into a three hour drive. Oh no. But we were bringing field pressure and playing two deep zone and kind of trapping the corners and they were pulling it and throwing bubbles, pulling it and throwing bubbles. And we were getting gashed. And I said, all right, we're going to hit the reset button. So we're going to set the front to the field. We're going to play man-free. Uh, we're going to sit the ends at the risk of even getting kind of gashed because they were in the pistols, so they kind of had a – wasn't quite veer. They were running inside zone and stretch, but they could hit it downhill fast. Right. I was like, let's just go play fast. And we started teeing off on these guys. Now it was too little too late. But I'm sitting there going – and then the same thing happened the next or two weeks later, same thing. We're blitzing. They're gashing us. And I said, all right, we're going to play our, our base check. And we started getting after him, and we changed the tide of the game. And I'm like, you know, this is actually hurting us. Because my whole thing was people say, oh, you got to blitz to get yourself out of trouble. I'm like, well, if blitzing works when you're at a disadvantage, wouldn't it work better if you were at an advantage? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But I, I've had to stop myself sometimes because I love to blitz. Um, my friend Brian Vaughn, shout out to him, who's taught me – you guys want to learn how to blitz. If you're like, hey, I want to up my blitz game, you guys got to check out Blitzology. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it. He is one of the most gifted football writers I've ever talked to. We've actually become friends over the year. Um, actually, really good friends. He actually, when we became friends, he was in New Mexico. Now he coaches in Florida about an hour from my mom's house where I still go home and visit. And I learned a ton from him. And 
you know, he really taught me about the, the, the being protections and things. But if, if it's all, if all is equal, I love the blitz. Um, we started running the simul. I guess that's now the cool thing is the simulated pressures. I started running them a couple of years ago. I didn't know they had a cool name, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, you know, in the run game, I like to, so uh, let me, let me go back. Sorry. I'm kind of all over the place. So in the run game, I like to blitz away from the run and slant into where the ball is going. Mm-hmm. Um, for if all things are equal, because I feel that if you blitz into it, you're slanting away and you can get gashed. So That's power great. teams, counter teams, gap schemes, I like to slant with the play, bring a guy off the backside, make it cut back. Because we play really hard joint spill stuff where, especially in the eye, wing T, we got a guy who's lined up in a nine technique cocked inside with a six technique inside of him. And if you down block, we're split, we're getting two for one and we're trying to. But now all of a sudden you do that and then you slant the D end outside and slant the whole line and bring a guy off the backside. It really screws up the people. Now it's a little harder when you don't have a down, you know, an inline tight end. Um, but if we're seeing those power gap, you know, gap schemes, even zone, I like to slant with the zone and bring a guy off the backside. Now stretch. I actually like to blitz the play and slant away because I found with some of the teams we played, we played uh, St. Mary's Stockton, who's probably one of the best first week executing teams I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. Their coaching staff does an amazing job. They look like the damn 1998 Denver Broncos out there the first week of the season. <laughs> and they had a guy named Dusty Frampton. I still have nightmares about it. It's like 210, 220, just a beast. And the only thing that helped us that game is they were so good at reaching that when we slammed them inside – and they were so caught off guard by it, you know, we had a six technique in the guard or the t- tackle and tight end are trying to reach him. And he'd actually get inside the tackle and then get vertical. We yeah, had some help tough. there. So I like, mm-hmm. I like to do that. And I like to do something that most coaches don't, which is I like to bring one guy and play cover zero, especially if it's first the run. I'm talking like 11, 12 personnel, not for so much first 10, but where, you know, I was always under when I started learning defense. Well, if you bring five, you got to play man free, right? That's, that's the math, right? Well, I studied at the altar of Gary Patterson, and I, I started realizing that 21, 12 personnel, he's actually just bringing five and just telling the two backers, okay, you got that back. If it was one back. You two got the back. If we want to run blitz, let's run blitz. And then if it was two backs, your middle of the field safety could just go fit himself in the run. And so you're bringing five but playing zero. Um, because what I found was when we were trying to bring four from a side, we're trying to teach those guys to read out all the time. And I'm like, well, let's just, let's just let them go play ball. Let's clog everything up and let the linebackers run with no pass coverage responsibility unless the back runs up the middle and vertical. And then in the passing game, we have started going to the simulator pressures. I really like – I guess that's what they're called now. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Some of these blitzes I'm seeing that people are running. So, like, can I, can I, can I, can I digress for a minute? Absolutely. Okay. So I got a little pet peeve. So what's, what's new or what's old is new again. So people are running this field pressure. I guess the coach Aranda came up or started running and people are packaging it and marketing. And it's, you know, I'm seeing blitzes that Rex Ryan ran 11 or 12 years ago and still calling him the same thing. I, I, I talked to a guy, there's, there's a famous one called Favre. They call it Favre. They name him after quarterbacks. Favre and Bledsoe. And I tried to explain to somebody, I'm like, these are old blitz. I don't know they're new. And, and I actually found handwritten notes from 
11 years ago. I had drawn the same, the far blitz, even says far on it. <laughs> I've seen it in the playbook or somewhere. So it's just kind of funny. Like, don't get me wrong. I love all the simulated stuff. Uh, Patrick Tony at ULL is doing a great job. My buddy Kyle Kogan is an expert at writing about it. I think it's great. But some of these guys, they get so hyped up in, with the names. Not these guys, but some guys get so hyped up in the names and calling stuff and classifying stuff. I'm like, dude, people have been doing this for years. Like, you can go turn on the old Jets film when Rex was there. But uh, so what we started doing is is we just try to turn every protection to big on big we can so if we're seeing 10 personnel, we like to walk up over the guards, leave the ends in fives, get a nose, and then, uh, you know, drop those guys out, drop eight, play zone or man behind it. We like to overload to the side of the back, overload away. But what I think a lot of that stuff that is – what it helps with is it forces a lot of the spread teams, the teams that don't seven-man protect, mm-hmm. it forces them to check the big on big protection. And when I know what protection I'm going to get, I'm not a real good prognosticator if you can run eight different protections, but I'm, I'm a little bit better of a defensive coordinator if I know exactly what protection you're going to run. So we try and do dictate it that way and, and just try to cover guys up. And, and uh, from there, it just depends on who our guys are, who we're trying to attack. Um, and I really learned a lot from Brian Vaughn, who I mentioned earlier about that. He is the master at that. If you guys want to go learn how to run a lot of pressures to mess with, my two, uh, the co-hosts of this podcast and keep them up at night, <laughs> go check out his blog because there's some great stuff on there. <laughs> but uh, Sorry, guys. I, I understand if you guys don't want to talk to me anymore. It's all good. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Coach, I'm kind of curious. So, so um, if, you can, if you could go back, not go back, but if you could talk to you right before uh, getting into coaching football, Right, and you'd probably say, uh, you know, it calls you on the phone. You from a long time ago calls you on the phone and says, "Hey, I want to be a defense coordinator in five or ten years, um, but I didn't play college football, um, so I haven't been around it in a while. But I want to do it. I want to be a defense coordinator in ten years. What now that you've been through it and been around the game a long time? What would you tell that guy that that wants to?" that doesn't know a ton, you know, hadn't been around football in a while, or, or maybe he's been around football but hasn't never, never been a coach and says, hey, I want to be a defense coordinator in five or ten years. Uh, where do I start? What, what would you tell that guy? Go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I – well, so, uh, so my advice would be talk to everybody. Nobody is ever too low on the totem pole, so to speak, to learn from. Um, talk to the GAs. Some of my closest friends in coaching, Brandon Lechtenberg, who's become, I've mentioned him a couple times, was a defensive coordinator. He's now at UIW with uh, Coach Eric Morris, this is a gentleman's name. Yeah. Um, Coach Morris, he was there at Houston him. Tech. Yep, yes, that's him. Um, he's this, he was coaching linebackers. I don't know if he's linebackers or safeties, but um, he was a GA. And, you know, if you go to these national conventions and these clinics, you know, these big guys aren't going to give you the time of day. Everybody wants to talk to Urban Meyer. But nobody. More. Nobody. Mm-hmm. But talk to the GAs. Talk to the young guys. Glenn Schumann, who I met, who's become a friend of mine, who's the co-DC at Georgia. He's 28 or 29 years old. I met him in the lobby of AFCA. He was a student assistant. He must have been 19, fresh out of, fresh out of high school. And I'm going to see him in two weeks. I'm going to be sitting in his office, and he's the co-defensive coordinator at Georgia. And I don't, I don't think that you should 
strike up friendships for ulterior motives. Like, oh, I'm going to become friends with this guy because he's going to be big time one day. But I think if you want to learn, learn from the guys that are hungry to talk football because they want to build relationships too. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, you know, I I won't rename nameless just in case they don't want me to put them out there. I had a graduate assistant. It's a good thing. It's it's not bad at all. Uh, I had a graduate assistant at a division one school today offered to give me a tutorial on Visio something I've always wanted to get better at working on Vizio. You know, those guys are hungry. They want to build connections. They want to build relationships. Um, they'll give you the time of day. And Derek Ansley, here's another great example. I went to AFCA. I was like, I want to learn Nick Saban. I'm going to find the GA from Alabama. That's actually how I struck up a friendship with Glenn. He was a student assistant. He introduced me to Derek Ansley. Derek Ansley just left the Oakland Raiders as the DB coach. And is now the defensive coordinator at Tennessee. Well, I could tell you right now that if 10 years ago I wanted to become friends with the defensive coordinator at Tennessee at 24 years old, he wasn't going to talk to me. Yeah. But Derek did. So invest in those relationships, help everybody that asks without anything in return, um, and learn everything that you possibly can. And I'd follow my mentor's advice. Learn everything but find an anchor point. Build a foundation that you can go to. Because you you kind of talked about it earlier about, you know – how do you get all this stuff? How do you streamline it to the kids? Like, and some of the stuff is, you know, the old saying, there's a bunch of ways to skin a cat. Like it's true. Like I think the TCU four, two, five is the best defense out there. And you want to know why? Cause I know how to fix it. Right. A defense is useless. If you do not know how to fix a defense, it is absolutely useless. Could I be good at coaching the three, four? I'm sure I can learn, but I have 12 seasons uh, not counting semi-pro for 14 or 15 seasons of coaching in this defense, very various iterations thereof, but still got about 15 seasons worth of it. I know how to fix it. You can throw anything at me and I, I'll have an answer. Is it the right answer? Is it going to be foolproof? No, but I have an answer and I can more importantly anticipate how somebody's going to attack me. If I run into three, four, I don't even know that. I mean, I, I could talk to people and they could teach me, but learn something you know, learn something, get good at one thing, but also keep that to keep that filter open. You know, like don't don't. I think the mistake I made was going through those six years where I just was like, if it's not TCU, it sucks. Like I don't want to learn it because I wanted to really become an expert, and it was good that I did that. But I'm starting to come out. And I'm, it's funny. I've got a, a little group text of some really good high school coaches, and I'll ask every once in a while, like, what's this? And everybody looks around at me like I'm insane. <laughs> like you, know, you run like ninety thousand coverages and you don't know what this is and it's like no because the, the, the guys in purple didn't do it or, or you know that little <laughs> kind of tree you know that branched out like they didn't do it and I'm so I just kind of disregarded it because there is so much stuff out there um, I'd also say be humble um, you know and, and give back like as soon as you can pay it forward the better and you will build relationships out of things when you help somebody when nothing is expected of you and you do it out of the kindness of your heart and because you love and you respect the game and you want to further it, that's when the best stuff happens. I've made friends with some guys. Uh, there's a guy uh, by the name of Marcello Giuliano who coaches in Southern California, and he helped me. There's a couple other guys, a guy named Barry Hoover, who's he's got a blog. Um, Hal done. Bennett, who goes by Deuce. Um, he's got a blog called Football's Life. Those guys helped me when I was nothing. When I was a kid, I was at a crappy high school, 
going 500 with no connections. And those guys helped me. And I never forgot it. And I turned around as fast as I could and I helped them. And I've turned around and clinic those guys. I actually clinic, uh, Marcello drove up. I put in a bunch of stuff for him. I used to go home when I was in Florida and I used to, we get together every Christmas and I'd clinic, uh, Barry, Hal Bennett, a guy named Dave Rayleigh. Every year we get together. And those guys, I, you know, like Barry's a great example. Barry helped me. He was expecting nothing in return. And in, in return, I've been able to give him access to things that he didn't have. And, you know, and he did it because he respected the game and he wanted to take a young, hungry coach under their wing. And, you know, you end up getting – he's gotten paid back and – you know, and I'm going to do the same thing. I look to help young guys all the time because I just believe it's a fraternity and and you got to help each other and be willing to help and be open to being helped. That's the other big thing is you never know anything. I heard a Pete Carroll quote one time that was like, when I was 20, I thought I knew it all. And when I was 30, I realized I didn't know anything when I was 20. And then when I turned 40, I realized I didn't know anything at 30, you know, and you just keep going. And <laughs> That's right. I love my favorite thing at coaches is going to the clinics and seeing the dudes who, you know, retired 15, 20 years ago. And they got to wheel themselves in, but they're still in there talking ball. They're still in there trying to learn. I mean, that's huge. It never stops. Coach, I know you said you're, you're starting a, a podcast as well soon. And I think you said you've already actually recorded an episode. Is that – was that part of the reason you wanted to start one or, or why USA Football approached you was just a, a way for you to help give back uh, even more uh, to coaches around the country? Yeah, and, and thank you for asking about that. Uh, so I, I started a relationship with Keith Krabowski. He actually um, asked me to be on his coaching coordinator podcast, and I, I guess a couple guys had recommended me. He was looking for guests, and he contacted me. And I agreed to do it, and I told him, hey, if you're looking for guests, you should contact my best friend, Stephen Lowe, who's the OC of Bosco. And Steve's like, I don't know if I want to do it. I was like, let's do one together. And so we were just guests. And I guess, you know, Keith and I really hit it off, and he's like, you know, I want you to be involved with USA Football. What do you want to do? And I've always loved radio. I loved Howard Stern, Neil Rogers, who's a Southern <laughs> South Florida legend. I just love – I love radio. I've always been my uh, best friend in college. We always talked about doing a show. And I was like, I want to do a podcast. And so for me, it was giving back. And I think there's a, there's, there's a void. I think the offensive guys, there's a lot of really cool stuff for offense out there. And I think us defensive coordinators, now, I, and I got to give you guys props because you guys have had guys on top. In fact, some of your first guests were defensive guys. And you do a really good job of balancing and having different people. But I didn't really see a, 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 a defense-only thing. And I might be looking in the wrong place. And so I was like, you know what? <laughs> Let's give a place for really good coaches to come on that nobody knows. I got a guy, I won't say his name, who not many people have heard of. But I'm going to have him on, and he's I'm, – I'm telling you the guy's next Nick Saban, and I'm not even – he's like 24 years old. Mm -hmm. I've never talked to anybody that knows more about coverage than him. I'm talking guys that have coached in the NFL for 20 years. It's, I've never seen anything like it. And I wanted to find these guys because, you know, let's say, what do they say? Real, recognize real or whatever. whatever <laughs> is. Like, you know, when you're talking to somebody who knows what they're talking about. Right. I mean, you have this, I'm sure you've had guests on where you're like, oh, yeah, he's cool. And then you've had guys on, you're like, wow, that guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I talked to this guy for about five minutes and my jaw, literally my mouth was hanging open. I was I can't believe this kid. This guy's a kid. 
And I wanted to get guys like that in front of people to say, this is what real coaches look and sound like. I wanted to talk defense. And this podcast is going to be, we're getting in the weeds. We're going to talk about, I recorded an episode with Kyle Kogan last night. We talked about Rimpless match cover three for an hour and 20 minutes. Now, I don't know if, how much of that's going to get edited out, but that's all we talked about. I mean, I was like, hey, yeah, uh, so Kyle, tell us where you're from. Okay, great. Let's talk Rimpless match. And we only talked about it. We talked about it versus one formation for an hour and 20 minutes. And that's what I want to do. Um, I, I thought about this and I said, you know, I've spent so much time on the phone learning football from guys. Why don't I just do that, but just record it? Exactly, you know, like exactly right. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk. I and what's funny is it's funny that Kyle and I don't know how we're gonna release which episodes when or whatever, but you know, and I'm kind of giving you the peek behind the curtain before the show's even started. But you know, I had the same conversation with Kyle in January or December. He taught me what he taught me last night um over the phone and i was like i felt selfish like i have access to kyle i have kyle's phone number kyle's generous enough to talk to me this is too good to be sitting here on one phone call this needs to be told to everybody especially a topic like that that people want to know about exactly so like i have been so blessed with so many great friends great relationships like everybody needs to hear brian vaughn talk about speeding pass protections like everybody, like everybody that coaches defensive football needs to listen to that guy talk about football. He needs to talk about him beating protections. You know, I'm going to have Adam Gaylor on. Again, I'm kind of blowing some of the, the guest list, but like everybody needs to talk to that guy. And so instead of just me being selfish and saying, well, talk to me, all right, well, talk to me, but let's let everybody listen. And that was kind of my idea for it. If that makes sense. Coach, man, I love it. I think the idea is great. I think there's definitely a, a spot for the, the defensive guys and, and, you know, the the premise of it I love. I know I'll be listening in to, to try to figure out some of your guys' uh, secrets and lingo <laughs> and like that. So, I, I don't know, Coach. Hey, it's Maddie. all good. I'm a I'm – a, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm a, I'm a card-carrying, run-the-power member. I'm a I'm, – what was the old hair club for men thing? I'm not only a, a – Oh God, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up. Okay. Not only the president, but I'm also a client. Yes, that's it. Yes, that doesn't really fit here, but just go with it. Yeah, I, 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 you guys can vouch for this, and I and I tell you what, I am not ashamed of this. I politicked for a long time to get on this podcast. It's the best thing I've ever done. I, I it's the pinnacle of my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we've had some of those guys too. Coach Gaylor, he's he's been on the play. He was one of our first ones, and uh, I, you know I played for him in high school. And uh, you're exactly right. And I don't want to say too many nice things about him now. He's at the uh, rival high school that we play against. But um, Ooh, yeah, that's right, that's right. But uh, awesome Fair guy, man. and 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 man knows his football. There's no doubt about that. So. Um, it's going to be really exciting. And, and as we kind of said, I think before uh, we even started recording was just the more podcasts we can get out there, the more that, you know, coaches can learn. It's just awesome because uh, it, it just helps coaches all around. And, and to us, uh, you know, we don't always dive heavy into the X's and O's. Sometimes we do just depending on, you know, uh, you know, we obviously did a little more with this because uh, you as our guest dove really far into it and we loved it. And so, uh, but it, it's cool because, uh, we selfishly get, you know, four uh, clinics every week. 
and we don't have to leave the comfort of our house. And then we get to record it. And so uh, we get to put out some, some clinics to coaches two a week and, and they get to do it for free from their house. And so uh, if, if technology is going to let us do that, uh, we're all about it. And so we, we were excited when, when we heard that you were going to start, start one up as well. And so uh, we hope, obviously hope uh, nothing but uh, less than it blowing up. So hopefully it does. And, and we're excited, like Coach Walls said, to, to um, poach uh, some, some of the defensive ideas. No, that's great. And, and I tell you what, I'm also, we're going to have, um, we're going to start kind of laying the groundwork. We're going to have defensive guys on, but down the road, I want to have offensive guys on talking specifically about how they attack defenses. Um, I'm going to have a couple of friends that I have sports psychologists, how you can apply the, you know, the stuff in the textbooks to specifically how to apply it to your defense. There's a gentleman named Grant Parr who I worked with. It's uh, Sarah, who became my linebackers coach. He ended up uh, coaching for a year or two and then decided he was going to do the sports psychology thing full time. I'd love for him to come on and talk about stuff like the black shirts and some of those things, why it's important. And why I'm mentioning this is because I'd love to have you guys on once we get going with the defense a little bit. I'd love to have you guys on for an episode and be like, all right, versus front, I like this or whatever. Because what ends up happening is, and what I've thought is, the other side, the other side doesn't talk to each other. So mm-hmm. I can go sit in an offensive clinic, but I'm listening to how the offense would install the offense from an offensive perspective. Same with defense. But there's not really a lot of resources out there where it's like, okay, I'm a defensive coach. I'm coming on to an offensive quote unquote podcast, and I'm going to tell you what we do to stop you. Right. Specifically, only geared towards that. So there's no eavesdropping. Like, all right, you know what? You're going to come eavesdrop. Let me just talk to you. So I think that is a conversation that's not happening. I'd be willing to say, I mean, how many guys, you're different because you have all different types of people on, but some of these podcasts that are offense only, you know, how many times have they talked to a, a really good defensive coordinator that can tell you how they, they attack you or how you're always listening to them talk to other defensive coaches and you're discerning what they do or you're always learning it secondhand. I want to open up the conversation like, all right, really good offensive coaches. What are you going to do to me? How are you going to study me? It's that sort of thing. So, but I, I'm not talking pursuit. I'm going to tell you up front. I'm not talking pursuit drills. These are all very important things. I'm not talking about pursuit drills. I'm not talking about tackling drills. Um, there's plenty of other resources out there. I want to talk a complex. Uh, the, 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 the title is going to be deep, deep, uh, deep dive on defense. So we're going to get into the weeds. We're going to use all these funny buzzwords like robot the dig and stuff that nobody knows what the hell we're talking about. But we're <laughs> going to make sense of it. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to it, Coach, and, and, and it's going to be a good one. Like you said, it'll help the, the football community for sure. Uh, kind of coming up on, on an hour now, uh, but the last thing I always like to ask guys, especially defensive guys, uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think, highly of their offensive line coach? Um, that's a really good question. And before I answer that, I want to thank you guys for what you're doing for the community. This is an awesome, awesome deal. I love listening. I love your service. I'm not only a, the president, I'm a member, whatever the hell that phrase is. <laughs> uh, but thank, thank you. Thank you for having me on. To answer your question, I would say, um, is everybody stepping at the same time? Uh, are they stepping in conjunction if they're a zone team, how are they targeting? Um, 
little things like is their stance giving away what they're doing i mean just fundamental stuff like that um once the play starts or really gets going um guys that finish blocks um in the run game you know angles how do you handle slanting i think that really tells a lot it's really easy to target a sled that's <laughs> really easy what do you what do you do when the human beings start moving agreed um you know if I'm, if we're, if we're, let's say we're seeing a power team and I line up in a, or I'm in a four eye and you're running power and I slant to the A gap for whatever reason, you know, how, is that tackle going to, you know, he's the primary guy on the block. He sees you slant side. How quickly, how seamlessly is he going to go up to the next level? Things like that. And the past game, stand square, um, picking up twists, things like that. Guys aren't turning their shoulders. And, again, the big one is you'd be surprised how many guys – because, you know, when you're in season, you're watching other people's defense most of the time and your own guys. It's amazing how many times, you know, you see offenses and you're, when you really focus on the offense, how, how their stance can give things away, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's the little things. And how tough they are. Most importantly, how, are they tough? You know, are the, are the guys coming off and are they mean? Like, I, I think, you know, as, you know, players take on their coaches, you know, attitude mentality do they communicate are they talking and and most importantly are they tough are they just are they finishing blocks are they getting you know personal foul every once in a while a little rough house? <laughs> better believe it uh, i'm not against it you know i'm not uh it's one of those things that, like i'm supposed to yell at you but good job a little little wink on the on the side yeah, yeah. Don't ever do that as I'm shaking my head and grinning like that Jack Nicholson <laughs> meme. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I've done that. Coach, man, I've lo- loved this interview. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd had a, a lesson we were teaching today, and we were talking a lot about um, how in our leadership class, how, how much you can learn when you're, you're finally willing to admit that you're wrong, you know, and how hard that is. Right. So, you know, listening to your story and you're saying, you know, how, how, how long you thought, hey, the, the 425 from TCU, that was it. You know, and, and that's how every one of us are. There's 7 billion people walking around on the planet, and every one of them thinks that the way that they're living is right. You know, and, and for, for people to say that, you know what, I was wrong, it, it opens your mind to, to so many things. And, you know, defensive guys learning the offensive side and, and us learning from you and, and the ways that you teach things. There's a lot of carryover, and there's so many things that we can learn from each other. And also, like Coach Harper said, man, you know, the more podcasts, the merrier, the more information, the more conversation there is, the merrier, man. I couldn't be happier uh, than, than how the interview went and, and the stuff that you're going to be doing for the ball community, man. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really respect the hell out of you guys. So that means a lot to me. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.